Hello friends and welcome to the show. Well, here we are about maybe a month or so deep into the COVID-19 crisis. I don't like date stamping and time stamping my podcast, but we will do that because today is the 19th of March, the year is 2020. And right now, if you are in the office working, you are probably under quite a bit of stress. If you are home right now, you're under stress too, trying to figure out how to get things done from the office. Or maybe you're one of the many folks right now who aren't doing either because you've lost your job. There is a ton of uncertainty and really no end in sight that I can see. So now that I've completely depressed you, let me let you know that this is something when you get as old as me, you will see it play out time and time again. What you're really dealing with now is a change in your comfort level. So I'm not going to leave you hanging. I actually have a very special guest for you today on this episode of the podcast. My guest is my good friend, Jeremy Evans. Now, I've known Jeremy for a number of years now. We've done some projects together. He is a great colleague. And let me tell you, Jeremy probably picked the worst time on the planet to quit his boss and start his own company. And yet he is here today with strategies that he is using and strategies he recommends for you. The title of the episode is Change is Here. How are your people managing it? Jeremy's got some great strategies. It is the cornerstone and backbone of his programs that he offers. He's going to give you tactical, practical tools. So let's quit talking about Jeremy. Let's talk to him. You know what to do. Buckle up. It's time to roll. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Jeremy, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Mac. It's good to be chatting with you again. Yeah, I think we had you on uh, Boss Builder Podcast mm -hmm. at least. It's been, what, over a year, I guess? Yeah, about a year and a half or so. So I know you and I have talked quite a few times in between, but uh, as far as being a guest in the show, it sounds about right. Yeah, well, for the people that, so I think we ran yours, we talked about the Insights Discovery. Sure, sure. Yeah, and so that was on Boss Builder Podcast because of the nature of you know, where we are today. So I don't like to date stamp podcasts, but today is Wednesday, March the 25th. The year is 2020. And uh, there's people running around with runny noses, I heard, <laughs> and with no toilet paper. <laughs> My goodness, what has happened to this planet, right? It's it's crazy. It, uh, it really is. And, uh, and, and I'll share that I actually went on a cruise a few weeks ago and it was, this, went, I, I are went, you serious? You went on a cruise, you went on a cruise, went on a cruise, a global pandemic. It, it was, it was in one of those periods of time where there was a little bit of concern in the United States, but not, not a great deal. So hadn't really kind of blown up in the news yet. We'd had this vacation planned for several months. And so we were looking forward for to it and, and we live in Ohio. So uh, after several months of fall and winter and gray, you know, dreary days, we said, let's get in the sunshine and this is going to be fantastic. And so we ended up going on the cruise. We had some sun. We had some fun. Uh, really great stuff. But when we pulled back into port and we finally got our phones turned back on and we could see what was happening in the world. Oh, my goodness. It's like uh, waking up from a coma. It's like one of those zombie movies where, you know, where did everybody go? Why are the right. stores all closed? Why why are the kids out of school for three weeks? And it was just, uh, it was an incredible experience to be kind of coming back to a world that had changed so dramatically in such a short period of time. So you really did not even check, because I've been on cruises and they've, they've got internet, they've mm -hmm. got TVs, and yeah. there's always everybody walking around with a phone in their hands. You had no idea how drastic things had become. I had no idea. The only idea we had was the day before the cruise got back into port the day before we got back in, I was on an elevator and one of the guests was talking about, I think the, the NBA or NCAA tournament being canceled. And I said, are you, are you serious? You know, how's that possible? What, what am I going to do for the next three weeks at home? Uh, and, uh, and so I, I learned a little bit there, but uh, I thought it might just be isolated to large scale public events, like a, a basketball game. Had no idea that it was going to affect us literally in our daily lives. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, the word I've used with a lot of friends and colleagues has been surreal. Uh, it's really been a surreal situation. 
Well, I bet your kids were just devastated knowing that they weren't <laughs> going to go back to school after a week on a cruise ship, huh? It was heartbreaking to tell them, hey, hey, kids, your spring break is going to last another three weeks. <laughs> so being 15 and 11, you can imagine the devastation that they felt. Oh, Lord. Well, guess what's going to happen if this blows over and they end up running school <laughs> all the way through the end of next year, right? Oh, then it's yeah. like paybacks with interest. That's huh? right. We told them sooner or later, you're going to have to make it up. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we just can't have a society, you know, 50 years from now. Why is your IQ lower? Well, for one whole year, we didn't go to school. Sorry, we just never learned polynomials. So sorry. It just wasn't, yeah, it wasn't going to happen that year. Hmm. But, uh, well, you know, I guess it's pretty appropriate that we're going to chat together. So when we did the other interview uh, on Boss Builder, and the reason I'm saying that is I'm probably going to run this on HR Oxygen as well, our sister station. Mm -hmm. But um, you were working for a company. That's how we got to know each other. We'd done a few things together and then you started your business mm-hmm. and man, you picked a good time <laughs> to fire your boss and start a business. It's, it's amazing. And I thought that I had everything worked out. And, and really when I look back on it, I'm not sure that I would change because uh, there's always an excuse not to do something. There's always a reason not to. And the way I figure it is if I can get through this, then the rest of my consulting career is going to be easy street. Right. So <laughs> that's the, that's well, the, you certainly, you'll certainly have a powerful story when you get on the shark tank, right? Exactly. The, uh, the Evans document or whatever you're going to create, you know, and then I have to agree with you, you know, it, it's starting a business like people have done in the past, let's just say three years, mm-hmm. the economy on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then we would, that would be the time to do it. I have seen people on LinkedIn that said, you know, uh, um, things are going so well and my savings are up. So I think now's the time to take a year off work and go around the world. Mm-hmm. Boy, okay, I have a feeling you're going to regret that, but right. you're right. If you wait until everything's perfect, you may not ever get there. Right. And again, if you can do it now, yeah. then there's really no excuse for anybody else. And so, you're, you've done a lot of things in your career, Jeremy, and I want you to tell us about your path mm-hmm. and then let that, let's lead that up to what your main focus is today with your business. Definitely. Definitely. So my, my focus in my career, and I, I take this all the way back to being an adolescent and a teenager. What I tell people is, Hey, I've, I've always been a know-it-all. And so I don't mind you know getting in front of people and, and teaching and facilitating and, and educating. And so that that idea of wanting to learn and really wanting to share things that I've learned and, and helping others has stuck with me. It's been a core value of mine uh, at a personal level for a long, long time. And, and in my profession, I've I've gravitated towards towards training. I've gravitated gravitated towards helping other people learn to do new things, to pick up new skills. And I started out on the technical side, so. You know, helping people with troubleshooting and training new sales reps on products and, uh, uh, and, and new procedures. And from there, I moved over to what a lot of people, especially in the HR world, you know, you're here referred to as soft skills. Uh, and it's only when you start getting into that, you realize, boy, there's nothing soft about this. Leading people, managing people, those are really hard things to do. Uh, but that's that's what I gravitated towards about 10 or 12 years ago was was more of the, the personal side of skill development and how do we how do we groom talent? How do we take people through the life cycle um, of their you know, of an organization? How do we get new people in the door and you know, give them the tools and the training and the skills that they need to succeed? And then how do we identify high potentials and, and give them stretch assignments and, and bigger challenges and groom them with the not just the skill but also the the ambition and the the, the confidence to reach for new things and to, uh, to push for, you know, things that they might not be inclined to, uh, to pursue. Uh, and then looking at how do we take the next level of, of people in our organization, those that are tasked with leading, supervising and managing uh, others, and how do we give them the tools that, that they need? And Mac, you've done this for years. So, you know, exactly, you know, uh, what I'm speaking about, you can't just take a great doer and put them into a managerial role. Uh, there, there's a whole different, set of skills that they have to learn. So I've, I've, uh, I've focused on that a bit, but what I've really been drawn to is the idea of we're all ingrained with certain attributes and traits and preferences. And so you, you talk about insights and I've used that uh, quite a bit. Uh, I've dabbled with Myers-Briggs a little bit, but uh, you know, these days I'm using everything DISC. Uh, and DISC is a, a very widely known, very popular 
uh, personality and behavioral styles assessment. And I've been using that quite a bit. And so that's, that's part of the core of my practice right now is, is based upon using the, the DISC assessment uh, as, a, as a starting point. And what I like to say is, hey, if you, if you take this uh, assessment or if you get this baseline of knowledge, what it is, is it's the foundation for a dialogue. It's not a diagnosis. You know, nobody's going to get a, a report or read out and say, well, hey, I'm a, uh, I'm a D style. Or if it's insights, I'm a red style or I'm an ENTJ style or, or whatever assessment or whatever tool you're using. You, you can't get that and say, this is what I am. This is the only thing I can do. This is how I'm going to you know, solve every single problem that, that, that comes across. But having that awareness and understanding how you're wired really helps you connect to others. Uh, and that's what I try to focus on is, is how do we use this awareness to be more effective in our interpersonal relationships, to be more effective at uh, resolving conflict in a productive manner? How do we use this to be a better manager? How do we use this to be a better leader of a business? How do we use this to, to make our team more effective and to overcome some of those obstacles and dysfunctions that are endemic to, to working on a team? You know, how can I use this to, to increase my emotional intelligence so that I can be you know, as, uh, as effective and productive as possible? And, and so that's, that's been a lot of my focus. Uh, another part of my focus has also been around the idea of change. And, and so I've, I've looked at, you know, some of the, the models that are out there. Uh, and especially, like you said, in today's environment, we are faced with a significant and highly disruptive change in our lives. So really, no matter what industry you're in, unless you're selling hand sanitizer, in which time. Well, well can- now, you know, now you're just sitting at home because you got no more to sell. Right. And you're as bored as everybody else. Yeah. Right. So but we're all faced with this highly disruptive change. And, you know, at some point. You know, we, we're, we're getting through it with a lot of heroic effort. We're, we're, we're focused on kind of defeating this common enemy. Uh, but some of the things that will help us deal with this change uh, are really transferable to dealing with changes that will happen in the future. So no matter, you know, even, even, when, even when COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever, uh, subsides, you know, we're still going to have people in new roles. We're still going to have mergers and acquisitions. We're still going to have system implementations. Uh, and all those things will create change and disruption in our businesses. And so how do we use some of the, the tools that are available, like a, a disk assessment or, or like some of the change models that are out there in order to help us flatten the curve, you know, to borrow from the the, uh, the contemporary yeah. vernacular. The 2020 to, word of the yeah, year, right? Exactly. So how do we how do we flatten the curve in terms of, of making those transitions more, more uh, palatable for people? And well, you, you know, it's interesting, Jeremy, because, you know, you mentioned your tech background teaching, you know, what I guess people would call the hard skills, but there is nothing easy about what you've just told us, yeah. you know, because I mean, if human beings were like machines, we could just, you know, open up the back like a talking G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. you know, cross a few wires and everybody'd be good to go. But exactly. There is there is no wiring diagram. I mean, the closest we can get to a wiring diagram might be uh, a disc or a Myers-Briggs. Right. But even that, you're dealing with humans exactly. just that are physiological beings and then on, emotional on top of it. So, exactly. Um, so thankfully, you know, you've got this. And you you have, are somebody who's actually already gone through what it's like to be acquired, right? Exactly. Exactly. About six years ago, uh, I was part of a, uh, a startup organization that had literally started in, in, in a garage. Uh, so three, the three founders had begun this, uh, this cable manufacturing company back in the early 1980s and grew it, you know, in, you know, little Dayton, Ohio, grew it to a, a multi you know, million dollar business. And that business was acquired by a, a larger multinational organization. And so I went through, you know, that, that period of change. And, and personally, I went through that transition. So I was able to observe it firsthand and see some of the, the challenges that people experienced. And I guess you could say we took some lumps. You know, we, we learned by trial and error. Uh, I think many trials and, and probably more errors. So we learned a little bit of the hard way and we have some scar tissue and some bruises, you know, that, uh, that say, hey, if you don't pay attention, you know, in a deliberate and active fashion to how you help your people and your employees get through significant changes, uh, it's it's going to hurt. Yeah, the hurt will, will last longer, and the, uh, the the scars will will cut deeper. 
And so being able to be in front of it and being able to, to be aware of it and having some strategies and some tools, some practices that you can put into place to help manage, not just the, the, the dates and the timetables and the project plan of a change initiative, but really being able to, to reach out to people and meet them where they are and support them as they react to change. That's, that's the secret sauce. That's the, that's the key, I think, to, to successful change implementation. And you know what I love about that is that you were you were part of it. So you were not the one initiating the change. You were the one reacting, which mm-hmm. is where most of these end up going. You know, right. you're reacting to it. But then on top of that, and I don't know. I mean, we've been friends for a while. I mean, I don't know. You know, some what you just said, some of that I wasn't even really aware of, of you know, how tough that was. Mm-hmm. But then it seemed to me that things settled down. And, you know, I knew Jeremy as this person and this big company. And it seemed like everything was fine and wonderful. And there were little hints of, mm-hmm. hmm, I feel like it's, uh, I feel like I need to grow. Mm. And so now you have moved from someone who has been the reactive person to change to a person who has now created your own change. Yeah. So, so for, for those of us who have never had that experience, what is it like to know that you need to make a change and you know that it's going to be painful, but the pain of staying the same, I'm borrowing from somebody, I don't know, Bennis or Maslow or some of them philosophers, mm-hmm. you know, what is it? The pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of the change. Yeah. I probably got that all mixed up, <laughs> but, but I think the sentiment comes through and you're absolutely right. And, and part of it is just the, the natural maturity, you know, as, as, as I've grown and gotten older and, and I've gone through life changes, uh, I've sat and looked at my career and said, well, is this what I want to be doing in two years or five years or 10 years? Uh, and my children are, are 15 and 11. And so the idea of an empty nest all of a sudden isn't some theoretical, you know, exercise. It's, it's going to be happening in 20 years. You know, it's going to be happening in, in eight, nine years, you know, or, or perhaps even, uh, even shorter than that. And so thinking about, you know, what does my professional legacy need to be? What do I want it to be? Uh, and so when I, when I look at that, you know, I, I realized the, the joy that I got out of, uh, certain parts of my work. And I thought to myself, again, if there's, if there's going to be reasons not to do something, I can find them. I can find, you know, the idea of comfort and say, I've, I've, I've got a, a stable, really good job. I've got challenges, uh, you know, that, uh, that are fulfilling to me. Uh, you know, I've, I've got the support of a great organization, but at the same time, I thought if I really want to make my mark, if I really want to, to, to be fulfilled you know, at a kind of a, a self-actualization level, uh, I'm going to need to take this chance. I'm going to take this leap. And, and really, that's the hardest part. And for anybody who is out there listening, who's an entrepreneur, who's ever started their own venture, whether it's a, a business or maybe kicking off a, a, a nonprofit activity or, or whatever, you understand that starting it is the hardest part. Uh, I remember Sean Aker talking about activation energy. What's the hardest part of, of an exercise regimen? Getting out of bed the first time and getting on the treadmill. So we do the things to make it easy. You know, once you start pushing the car, once that car starts rolling, you know, then you, then it becomes easier to push it down the road. Uh, but uh, the, the activation energy for me was the hard part. And I, and I wrestled with that for probably the better part of 18 months. Uh, but uh, through discussions with you and, and some other uh, mentors in the, uh, in, in the industry, I realized that I really needed to do this. And at the beginning of this year is when I officially stepped away from my full-time role with my old employer and opened up constant consulting. And, you know, as you said, nobody could foresee (laughs) what the, what 2020 held in store for us. So right now it's a, it's a little bit of a challenge, but you know, if, if I believe what I say in terms of change, then I understand that I have to make changes myself. So that's offering programs virtually. It's being able to meet the needs of the clients and prospects that I'm working with and saying, hey, given the constraints that we've got in our environment, how can we do this using a virtual uh, tool instead of me coming in? Uh, or what are the ways that we can deliver this in, in a way that, that reaches your people as they're quarantined or, or, or under a stay-at-home order? So, so there's, there's, there's always a solution. Uh, just uh, it, it, it sometimes is a little uncomfortable for us. But if we are able to push through that discomfort and understand that, hey, there's opportunity for us here as well, you know, I think that's 
that's been part of the fulfillment for me is, is saying, I'm not just sitting here going, woe is me, woe is me. I can't wait for this, uh, this stay at home order to be lifted. But if I say, what, what can I do? What, what can I do to be positive and to be proactive in my community uh, and, and do things that, that are helping others? Because we're all, we're all faced with this. We're all, you know, to some degree in, a, in the boat together. And so if I'm finding things that are helpful for me, why not share that? Why not, uh, why not help others as well? Now, I love your story, Jeremy. And I think what, what maybe we can take out of that, too, is that when you are an employee, whether you're an employee or a manager, you're working for a company and there's a change. I mean, I think you have to keep in mind that somebody somewhere is going through the same mental and emotional wrestling mm-hmm. that you were doing. And they've decided to make a change. And now, unfortunately or fortunately, all managers and employees of the company are going to have to get on board, whether they even knew what was going exactly. on. Exactly. not. So, I mean, and I don't know how your kids took this. If they were little, they probably wouldn't notice anything. But if they were a little older, they might say, Dad, are you out of your mind? Do you realize that you're going to be home a lot more now? And, you know, believe it or not, kids don't like it when their parents are around yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, you know, again, I think if, if you're listening to this today, you have to realize that you probably had no say so in the change. Yeah. And and as as much as you are struggling with it right now, how much more are the people that work for you? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'd like to talk about today, Jeremy. How do we do that? If, if we're listening to this and we are the HR professional who in a time of crisis, this is probably when they're inviting you to the table. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they're all ears. Sometimes it takes that to, to get them to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you're, you're the boss and you have employees who have a lot of uncertainty. You know, you've, you've now seen this as a victim and as also someone who is the catalyst for the change, Jeremy. So what would you recommend for us? So part of it is just understanding. And I, I fall back on the Bridges model of change and transition. It's, it's understanding how change affects people at a, at a personal level. And so many times when I've worked with businesses and, and clients and they talk about change, they describe the change in, in really very uh, kind of factual or empirical terms. And they say, we're, we're going live with this new ERP system, uh, or we're changing the org structure and we're got a new business unit. And here's what the leadership hierarchy is going to look like. Here's where these people are going to roll up into. Here's how we're going to split up the, the territories and, and the work. And, and that's, it's vital. You've got to have a good change plan and there's lots of change models out there. Uh, Cotter, you know, for instance, uses a very well-known one, you know, and you get a team together, you get people on board, you reinforce the change. There's lots of steps in it. Uh, but what I find is that many organizations are really good at that. I call the process side of change. And you've got a really tight Gantt chart that says, here's when we do our, our, our user testing. And here's when we flip the switch and go live. And, uh, and what, what you find is that on those charts, you really don't see the impact that it has on people. Because uh, you mentioned this earlier, people are baskets full of thoughts and emotions. Uh, people can be irrational. People move at their own pace. And especially when it comes to dealing with, uh, with change, uh, they're going to go through that reaction. They're going to go through that transition at a different speed. Uh, and my counsel to leaders, my counsel to people in HR, my counsel to, to any manager is that typically, you know, more than your people and you're further down the road to internalizing and adapting and, and accepting the change than your people. And so sometimes you've got to, you've got to slow your pace a little bit and look behind you and lend a hand to help them, you know, help them climb up the ladder uh, so that they're not left behind. And that's an important thing for a lot of us to remember is we can be completely bought into a change. Uh, we can see the other side. We can see all the benefits and just the, the rosiness of, uh, of what the change is going to look like and what it's going to mean for us and our businesses. Uh, but for a lot of other people, they get stuck. They get stuck at, uh, at earlier levels. And, and the first thing that people will go through uh, when they experience a change is, is a loss. And this can be something where people can get stuck on what they have lost uh, and, and really not be able to see the benefits. They can't see the, you know, the, the, the better outcomes. They can't see the, uh, uh, the payoff. And if we're not able to acknowledge and deal with those losses, um, 
it, it creates friction. You know, we lose productivity. Sometimes we lose people as a result of it. We lose engagement. There, there's a lot of hazards uh, that come about if we're not able to be cognizant of those losses and then take proper measures to uh, to address them. So that's 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 really the first thing that I start with is, hey, you know, the change is going to be great. You know, this new system that you're implementing is going to be fantastic, and and this this acquisition is going to be beneficial for everybody. But at the same time, somebody is losing something. We're all losing something. What is it? Let's identify that. Let's let's be very uh, clear and take a, a an inventory and say what are the things that people might lose. And, and the lose the losses aren't always completely dramatic. Sometimes they're temporary. Uh, versus permanent. Sometimes they are intangible versus tangible, uh, but they still hurt the same way. You know, so, so we just have to have a little bit of emotional uh, intelligence, a little bit of empathy, uh, and reach people in different ways. And this is where an assessment or a tool like DISC or MBTI or Myers Briggs can be helpful, or um, um, Insights can be helpful, because then we can understand. Yeah, here, here's what I have been dealing with. Here's my approach by default. How might I need to modify that approach to help these other people on my team? Well, let's talk about that loss. And so this is this has baffled me to this day. And maybe from where you sit, you can diagnose it. I mean, you've heard my story about my evil boss, mm-hmm. Captain Davies, back in the 90s. And you know, that man, he was, every day was hell with this man. And then on the day that he was mercifully fired, I had already been relocated to the IT department. Uh, I fully expected all those technicians that were underneath his rule for that two years would be, it'd be like when Saddam was <laughs> kicked out, they were, you know, knocking the statues over mm-hmm. and dancing in the streets and slapping the pictures of him with their sandals. And you wouldn't believe it, but everybody was upset. Right. I thought, what is wrong with you people? The dictator is gone. You are now free. And for the life of me, I couldn't understand why they were all experiencing this sense of loss. Sure. How would you explain that, Jeremy? So part of that might be, you know, what that leader was doing uh, for those other people, where you you might have you might have seen that leader as you know, very controlling, uh, micromanaging, very hands-on, and you felt stifled, didn't have enough autonomy. Uh, your decisions were always second guess. Nothing you ever did was good enough, and that that really chafed you. That re- you really reacted very negatively to that. For other people, that that might have been the style that they treasured, or the tr- the style that they really got the most out of them. Uh, they might have a loss in terms of security. They might have a loss in terms of, uh, well, I don't have to worry about uh, making a decision because I know the captain's always going to make it for me. You know. I'll have yeah, and, then blame, and then blame Petty Officer Monroe for exactly. it. Exactly, doing his ass for a while. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, we, uh, when when I when I'm asked for my opinion, I'll ask uh, I'll ask the captain, and he'll give it to me. You know, some people have a, a little you know a sense of security in knowing that they're not going to be responsible for having to take a risk or make a decision or things like that. So so some of that security might have been a loss that those people uh, may have felt. Uh, some people may have just had a. a a pleasant personal relationship. And so anytime there's a, anytime there's changes in an organization that involves a person either exiting uh, or moving to a different part of the organization, uh, maybe even a promotion, anytime you've got a change in leadership or management, uh, that personal relationship will be affected. Uh, I always talk about, you know, to whenever I'm dealing with new managers uh, and new supervisors, uh, I say, how many of you, you used to get together with your peers uh, and go out on Tuesday nights for chicken wings and beer. And everybody raises their hands and say, oh, yeah. And I say, what would you do? You'd get together, you talk about work, and you complain about the boss. Oh, yeah, we would do that. I said, well, guess what? Those people that you're now supervising, they're still getting together on Tuesdays. <laughs> they're still complaining about the boss, but there's a reason why you're not invited. <laughs> it's because, <laughs> because you're it. You're, you're the one they're complaining about now. So, Oh, Lord. Yeah. Wow. Different way to think about it, but uh, yeah. So there's, like I said, there, there's always losses that people will feel, and, and depending upon how you're wired, it can be a different type of loss. So I mentioned that idea of security. People who are wired with more of a, a steadiness style or an S style, you know, they can be very um, 
reassured by a sense of stability and a sense of uh, continuity. And so when that gets dis- gets disrupted and that, that security blanket is gone, uh, they might feel like they're uh, adrift at sea a little bit. You know, somebody with a, a different style, you know, as they, as they go through change and transition, uh, let's take a, a D style or a dominant style, you know, losses they may feel is control. You know, so if, if an organization shifts gears or if, if some responsibility or decision-making authority is taken away, they might really struggle with that loss of, of control. And so their struggle is how do they regain that? How do they get that back? And that's something I've seen quite a bit, you know, in these times, you know, with a lot of entrepreneurs, because, you know, that D style does tend to gravitate, you know, a lot of people who are in leadership positions or who are entrepreneurs, you know, show a lot of those traits, those behavioral traits of the of the dominant style, and the idea that they can't control when their doors are open, or the idea that they can't control uh, their people coming into the office, uh, has been a struggle, you know, for them to get through. And so, how do they deal with those losses in a way that that connects with them? And and what so what that person needs might be completely different from what somebody with a different style needs because the losses are different. So this is what you really just talked about here, Jeremy, is the first part of a change. It happens and then there's the the morning after. And now everybody's like, oh, my God, what just happened? Mm-hmm. So, all right. So and, and like you mentioned, the different styles process this part differently. And, and I don't know if you could put a timeline. I mean, would it be like three weeks from when the news drops that will start shifting into more of a normal? What's been in your experience and what does the next phase look like once we've gotten over the shock? Yeah, so the shock is dramatic, and and depending upon the degree of change, uh, or how expected that change may, may have been, uh, it can be more or less dramatic for for other people. A lot of people will get past that initial shock fairly quickly, uh, and they'll try to reorient to what the the new world looks like. And so those initial losses, you know, may be a matter of days. For some people, it might be a matter of weeks. Uh, you know, if there's a reorganization and they say, hey, at the end of the month, you're going to have a new boss and you're going to be part of this new business unit, you might be processing that. But until that change actually gets implemented at the end of the month, you're really not doing anything differently. You know, so you don't know exactly what you're losing uh, until that happens. So it, it can be different. And I will also say that the timeline is is different for everybody. Um, as I mentioned earlier, at leaders and people who are hired in an organization typically start going through those transition phases sooner. So they're the ones that have to be cognizant to, to look behind them. Uh, but it's, it's really difficult to say that you're, you're, you're only going to feel this loss for a week or two weeks or a month, because uh, it really is different depending a lot upon a lot of the circumstances. But, but once you do get past it, and, and managers and leaders can help, help people, again, just by being very specific and saying, well, well here's what's not changing. Here's what you haven't lost. You know, let's 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 go down through your list and say what exactly are you losing? What exactly are you able to hold on to? Uh, certain things like symbolic events might be helpful. Uh, I've gone through uh, several building changes in, in my career where where the office is relocated, and you know sometimes a memento or a souvenir helps people get through the actual loss. You know, it's hard to believe, and especially when you look at the the, the uh, some of the buildings I've worked in have been absolute <laughs> dumps. Uh, but it's hard to people have emotional connections to that, and so sometimes uh, uh, an event, sometimes a uh, souvenir or a takeaway, uh, can help people kind of turn the page. That can help them close the book on that chapter and and start moving forward. Uh, and, and when people do start moving into that next phase. What happens is they start they start feeling around and they get really frustrated by a perceived lack of progress. And Bridges calls that phase the neutral zone. And I've also heard it referred to as the mushy middle or the gray area, the in-between time, where the old structures, the old processes, the old uh, paradigm is no longer in place, but the new world hasn't quite been fully baked yet. It hasn't quite taken hold. And so what that period of time is marked by is um, it's frustration, it's impatience. Uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, uh, 
confusion, you know, is a big one. People just don't know who's in charge. They don't know who's driving the bus or which way to go or, or how to get an answer. And it's very frustrating because this happens at a lot of levels in an organization. Uh, and if you're a manager and you've got, you know, people that are looking to you for answers and you don't have them, and then you go and you ask your director or you ask your VP and they don't have all the information, all of a sudden you're caught in the middle there. And, and you're frustrated because you don't have the answers and your team is frustrated because they expect you to have the answers. And that neutral zone is actually that area where people will spend the most of their time as they go through transition. And this can be a period mark. It, it can last weeks. Uh, it can last months. Uh, I know from going through merger and acquisition um, changes, you know, it can, it can last more than a year uh, being in that neutral zone. And, and it's, it's tough. It is. And, and the thing that I tell people to get through it is communicate, communicate, communicate. Uh, and I've seen this in your, in your email uh, uh, newsletters as well. There is never a problem with over-communicating in times of significant change. The more that you're able to communicate, even if your communication is, we don't have any more news. You know, today's news is we have no news. People at least know that you're trying. They know that you're, you're, you're listening to them, that you're aware that they are looking for answers and that they're, they're curious. So I always tell people, if you're going through uh, M&A or if you're going through any type of significant change, the more you're able to stay in front of people and the more you're able to communicate, uh, the better they're going to feel. And so that's the, that's the number one tool that we have in our toolkit as leaders is, is find ways to communicate. And that can be, uh, it, it should be shaken up. It shouldn't just be, well, we're going to have a, an all hands meeting once a month, and that's going to be how we deliver news to our people. No, do, do more than that. Do a, do an email blast, do informal team huddles. Uh, if you're, if you're in the executive suite, get down on the shop floor, uh, do a lunch and learn, you know, just have, you know, have people come in and we're, gonna, we're just going to have you know, Q and a, you know, donuts with the, the boss, you know, on a, on a regular basis, uh, put up signage, put up posters, you know, have uh, have a, a mechanism for some feedback and some some questions. But the more you're able to do to communicate and keep those lines open, uh, the better off or the easier it's going to be to get through that neutral zone period. Well, think about where we are now. So again, we're gonna we're gonna timestamp this. So would you say right now, Jeremy, we're still with uh, with COVID nineteen? Are we still in that initial like what the hell just happened? Shocking loss phase or are we now in what you call it the mushy middle the mushy middle i'd say yeah. it, it some of this honestly depends upon where you're listening from uh, in the country so i'm in ohio and we've been dealing some of the losses that that i've been dealing with have been uh the kids uh staying at home you know so back i, I want to say it was maybe march 9th or, or 10th uh they they decided to close the schools, you know, for three weeks. And so the schools are closed uh, until first or second week of April. And so that was a loss because now I've got to think about how do I keep them occupied? How do I, you know, wh- what am I going to do, you know, to, to make sure they're, they're uh, keeping track of their, their uh, calamity day homework and, and all these things. So I've got, got past that initial loss and that initial shock. And so now I'm trying to feel it out. I'm, I'm in the mushy middle for that one. Okay. Whereas the stay-at-home order was more recent, and that was more dramatic, and so I had to deal with okay, what does this mean for me now? Now that I can't go out, you know, how does this affect some of the engagements that I've had scheduled? So I've got to deal with the prospect of okay, you know, is this is this client going to cancel on me? Are we going to postpone? You know, what does it mean in terms of my uh, my revenue stream? You know, is there ways that I can you know uh, factor that into my my cash flow uh, projections? So I'm dealing with those losses, but that took a day or two. And now I'm in the mushy middle of, is it possible to do this? Uh, I don't even know how to start, you know, delivering some of these things. And, and, and so I'm in that neutral zone for, for that particular change. Um, you know, depending upon, you know, what our public health uh, leaders tell us, there could be additional changes. There could be additional losses yet to be experienced. So each and every change that occurs will bring its own transition. Uh, and it's easy for us to say COVID-19 is, is the disruptor, is the change. But if you look at it, what it actually means for each of us is, is different. It's a series of different changes. And we have to look at each one of those changes and say, what are the losses we've incurred? What confusion has it created for us? 
how do we adapt to it and how do we come through on the other side uh, better off? So, so it's, okay. a, it's a long, it's a long response to that question, but uh, hopefully that's, uh, that's clarified a little bit. Well, maybe you should see if you can get on the president's team of briefers every day. Cause that made a hell of a lot of sense to me, Jeremy. <laughs> so we'll take you and Dr. Fauci. The rest of them can stay home. I'll take you guys. You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm honored to, to, to hear that and, uh, and I'm flattered. Uh, but uh, I, I believe in I believe in the free market, so I'm, I'm not ready for government work at this point. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> I guess you wouldn't be able to be completely brutally honest. But <laughs> but I mean, I, what I love about it is that you know we're taking what is essentially a business theory of organizational change, and we now have real examples. You've shared your personal story. We're all living through it right now, but just like anything else. And so, you know, a a friend of mine, uh, a doctor that my wife and I worked with years and years ago, he says, you know, my dad is 94 and he says he's not worried because he's seen this. He's seen World War II. He's seen all of these things that have happened. And, you know, for all of them, there is an overall overarching happy ending. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in keeping with the theme, my hope is that two years from now, somebody pulls up this podcast and say, man, those two morons, what were they talking about? <laughs> well, that's ancient history, yeah, right? That was no big deal. Um, right. That's right. I mean, we thought it was so big and look what happened and we're all doing great. And, you know, something else will happen later. But, and, you know, maybe we could almost look at that as a pattern, right? I mean, we could, people say we were caught flat footed, but let's not forget we got caught flat-footed at Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. We got caught flat-footed at 9-11. We got flat-footed at 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. And I mean, is that a pattern that even organizations go through? We get to a point. So at some point where I'm going is there's there's a next step in this, right? We're, we're in the mushy middle. We're walking out the other side. Is this where things start getting better or is there more pain we have to endure? So really, when you come out of the mushy middle, you come into the the final phase, which is called the new beginnings phase. And this is where things start to make sense again. This is where I, I talk about, you know, if you're running a marathon and you're at mile 25, you're still running. Uh, you're still running. But maybe at this point, now you see more people lining the streets and they're, they're waving and they're applauding. Uh, perhaps you even see the ribbon at the finish line. Uh, so you still have a little bit of ways to go, but you know that you're going to make it. You know that you're going to reach that goal. And so the new beginnings phase is when you start having a resurgence of confidence that, that what you've gone through, you've, you've, you've weathered the worst of it, and that the things that you have done you know, to change and to, you know, to, to go through that, they're going to work. They're going to be successful. And you still have to do some of those same things. You still have to continue to communicate Here's where you have to make sure that you're reinforcing the new behavior. Uh, and, and this is a key thing for a lot of people to think about is no matter what change you're going through, at the end of the day, it's going to force you to do something different. So your behavior is going to have to change in reaction to whatever whatever disruption has, has happened. So here's where you begin to, begin to get more comfortable with that behavior. You, you have confidence uh, engaging in that behavior. Uh, you can start teaching that behavior to others. You can start, you know, helping other people and saying, hey, here's what's worked for me. And maybe this could help you as well. And so that new beginnings phase is, is like the, the sun coming up at dawn. It's, it's illuminating the landscape and you see, you know what, I've got through the, the dark of the night and things are starting to make sense for me again. I can see the, the outline of the, the trees and the, the houses in my neighborhood. And you know what, it, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And you mentioned that idea of the changes that we've seen historically. And if we think about that and we think about learning some of the lessons from each one of those changes, here's where the concept of resilience comes in. And so the more changes that you go through individually, uh, as a leader, uh, or even as an organization, uh, the more adept you are at managing change and transition effectively, the more resilience you build and that way you can say, you know what, we got through the recession and we learned a few lessons. We learned that we need to be uh, a little more um, you know, careful in terms of mitigating risk and identifying where risk exists in our businesses. Uh, and so when this happened, granted, it was a little bit out of the blue, but, but we were able to, to apply some lessons learned. So the more resilient you become and the more adept you are at handling change, uh, the more suited you are to deal with changes in the future. 
And the next change for you might be, you know, something that you control. It might be that 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 new market that you want to uh, to address. It might be a new product that you want to to roll out to your customers. It might be a completely transformative change, like the one that I did, and said, you know what, I'm I'm going to uh, put my shingle out there and I'm going to I'm going to go into business for myself. Uh, but uh, that that idea of resiliency and, and saying that no matter what happens. I'm confident that I'll be able to get through it. I, I know there's going to be pain. I know there's going to be confusion, but I also know that I've got what it takes and, and some resources that are going to help me get through it. So, so that's, that's resiliency. And that's, that's where I leave people when, when I talk about change and transition uh, is, is the better you are at this, uh, the better you are at the next change. And, and, you know, I look at the, the name of my business. I called it constant consulting. Because, you know, as Heraclitus said thousands of years ago, the only constant in life is what is change. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we are always dealing with a changing landscape, and, and COVID nineteen will run its course. Uh, but then, what does the next change look like? Um, you know, look at Blockbuster Video. You know, they were disrupted by a competitor. You know, and nobody goes to the video store and watches your know, rents VHS videotapes anymore. You know, so it wasn't wasn't a virus that uh, that disrupted their business. It was a competitor. And at some point when, when the virus goes away, we're going to have to look at our marketplace and say, okay, which competitor is coming for me to create disruption? What new technology is going to create disruption? What new change in the demographics of my target market is going to disrupt my business? And if you're prepared for that and if you're resilient, uh, you're, you're suited for success there. It almost sounds to me like we're being vaccinated right now mm-hmm. for, against future changes. Exactly. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so Jeremy, you've, your, uh, your immune system's pretty high because you've gone through a bunch. Yeah. Um, but, but for the company or the boss or the HR professional right now, you're saying, man, I am at risk. I mean, right now I'm doing the equivalent of the mask and the mm-hmm. hand sanitizers and all those things. Um, this is, this is where growth happens, yes. I guess. And boy, it, it's, I'm not going to say that it's something that you should look forward to because that's like the guy that, you know, hits himself in the head over and over with a baseball bat because it feels so good when he stops. But <laughs> but this is almost something like the more we go through this, the more we're we're yes. going to be resilient. Yeah. But the beauty of this, because you've you've just taken us through a journey of you know we start it's terrifying the mushy middle, then we see the sun come out, and pretty soon it's the new normal. We will probably have adapted new habits yes. as a result of this, and then even the habits. You know, I often visualize what's what is that day going to look like when I go through security back when we start flying again? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, Mr. Monroe, you know, just walk through. There's no more. There's no more security. You just walk through. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to get mad. <laughs> right. Because what do you mean? I don't have to take my shoes off anymore. Right. You know, because, again, we're now we're disrupted. But um, just keep in mind, there's going to come a time where we won't be paranoid when somebody sneezes next to you, you don't run for the hills. Exactly. And and we'll have to to learn how to to deal with that. So it's a crazy thing. But boy, I'll tell you what, uh, no better time than now. Right. To step up. And so um, I want to leave us with this. Jeremy, you are this is what you do. Yes. So if somebody's saying, man, you mean I got to go through this alone? The answer is of course you don't. Because firstly there's people like Jeremy out there. Mm-hmm. Who even virtually through Zoom or phone or whatever, mm-hmm. you can be right along somebody, right alongside somebody who's going through this and guide them through with the tools you've just explained. Exactly. So, Jeremy, how do we get a hold of you, the Doctor Fauci of change? <laughs> so you can reach me. You can you can take a look at my website, which is constantconsulting.us, uh, and. You've got a, a number of my offerings available on that site. So constantconsulting.us. Uh, you can email me. The email is jeremy at constantconsulting.us. Uh, jeremy is spelled J-E-R-E-M-Y. Uh, and you can even dial me up. So you can find my phone number on the website. Uh, I'll, I'll even give it to you now. I don't mind. If, you know, I, I answer the phone all the time. So... Uh, but reach me at 937-470-3330. And whatever the change opportunity that you're looking at, whether it's you know something that's reacting to COVID-19 and you've got uh, a lot of disruption, maybe you need to learn how to, how do I manage a virtual workforce? How do I deal with these work from home 
policies or work from home practices. You know, I've got a lot of experience in doing that and that can certainly help. But whatever it is, even if it's not related to, to COVID, if it's uh, an acquisition maybe that you're struggling with, or if it's a, a new leadership team, those are all experiences that I've been through and that I've helped teams and organizations with. So, so I've got a lot of, uh, as I said, I've got a lot of scar tissue on how we've been able, on how we've gone through it. And I've, I've been able to guide dozens of, of teams and, and individuals you know, through the healthy way and through the effective way. Of, of getting through change and transition. So, so definitely use the website, find me on LinkedIn, call me up, email me, you know, whatever, whatever method works best for you. Uh, I'd be thrilled to have a conversation with, uh, with anybody who's listening to this. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I can personally endorse Jeremy. We've worked together and just an awesome guy. So please don't wait for this to end before you start taking some action. Mm-hmm. let Jeremy, come alongside you and help. Jeremy, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. Um, I have to tell you, it's probably time to go back and stop your kids from arguing right now, right? <laughs> well, you're certainly welcome, Mac. I appreciate having the opportunity to, to chat. I, I, I treasure all the conversations uh, that we have, and, uh, and I appreciate your support. And uh, And you're right. It's, it's getting to that time where uh, where, where they're going to have to get in timeout. And, uh, and so I need to go put my, my referee uh, shirt on and blow the whistle. So. Awesome. All right, my friend, you take care. All right. You do the same, Mac. Talk to you next time. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. Mm-hmm.